Hey y'all, today we're talking about resumes and ATS. How to create the fundamental resume that's gonna get you seen and hired. Let's dive in. Are you a millennial who's struggling to find more purpose? Do you feel confused when you think about what you're created to do here? Do you waste time on job search engines searching for a better fit? Do you often feel unfulfilled with what you're doing on a day-to-day basis? Well, you don't have to feel that way anymore. Welcome to the Life and Business Coaching for Millennials, a safe space where people from all walks of life can come together to learn, grow, and transform. My name's Jose Miguel Longo, and I'm your host. Life and Business Coaching for Millennials is a place where diversity is celebrated and encouraged, where we can have open, honest conversations about uncovering your purpose in business, feeling more joy in your life, and ultimately finding more happiness and success. I look forward to having meaningful conversations and coaching sessions that will help you explore life, career options, be inspired, fueled, and fulfilled with laughter. It's time to chit chat with Jose Miguel. Let's dive in. What's going on, chit chatters? Welcome to another episode of Coaching for Millennials. Today, I'm talking about a really, really important topic to me because as a career coach in what I do, it's something that I talk about every day with my students and my clients. And it's something that I think a lot of people have asked me about, but it's also the thing that I talk about in conversations as I'm preparing um, students and clients for the job search process. So we're diving deep into how to have your resume seen and visible and be picked in a ATS system. And so before we jump into what all that is, because there's a lot to dive into there, I want to first tell you what an ATS system is. So essentially an ATS system is called Applicant Tracking System, and it's the tool that companies use to essentially allow applicants to apply to a job. And what's really interesting about ATSs is is that you have two different ones. You have ones that are homegrown and built, which means that the company has either created a a tool and a website and a, a place where you can drag and drop or dump your resume into and apply through a um, form to submit your application. So those are homegrown. You know, they can hire someone to do it for them or they can buy a really inexpensive one online. Then there's a version where you can source it and have someone host the ATS for you. So people will use a a service or a company that does this type of stuff. And basically it's branded with your company's logo or the company's logo and information and people can apply. And then there's the version that, you know, 98% of companies are using, um, maybe 98% is not the best number, but most companies are using, which they either have custom designed and built and it's sourced and it's a true um, job source sourcing tool applicant tracking system. And these are the ones that most people are going to encounter when applying to a job because depending on the size of the company, um, I'm talking about companies that particularly might have 5,000 plus employees, okay? So this is huge corporate companies. Um, this is what you're going to encounter. It's gonna You're going to encounter a system that has an applicant tracking software 
that will review the applicants based on information that a recruiter has provided into that position, into that job, to source and filter applicants. And this has become the wave of the future over the last six to eight years in how talent managers have simplified their job and have made it easier um, for themselves in the process of being able to filter through hundreds of applicants. And essentially, you know, I want to say maybe four years ago, the average number of applicants to one position was about 75 to 80. Today, obviously, we're seeing a resurgence of people trying to find jobs, unemployment at an all-time high. There's only so many jobs versus how many people are applying to jobs. You're probably going to find 150 applicants to one job. And when you think about the role of a talent acquisition manager or recruiter, they're trying to fill as quickly as possible, um, you know, hundreds of open requisitions, hundreds of opens of jobs, depending on the company. And obviously, if jobs are limited right now, there's only so many jobs that are actually hiring people. So it complicates things a little bit. And it makes the job of the applicant tracking system really, uh, it makes the job of a recruiter, sorry, really hard um, when, you know, there's only so many people in the moment who are able to find the job, um, but there's only so many people that can be considered for the job, and there's only some people that can be hired for the job. So the the idea of what an applicant tracking system has essentially done is simplified this process. So here's a couple of stats that I did a little bit of research and I found, and you can Google this, so I will share the resource tool where I found this, but Vault, which is a huge, huge company um, that actually works really, really well with recent graduates or people who are um, you know, new to the workforce in really helping with resources and tools to be more prepared for the job search process. So Vault has a art- really interesting article that really can help people, um, you know, get seen and get hired um, when it comes to, I don't want to say skipping the applicant tracking system, but really being able to have a better sense of how an applicant tracking system can work. So here are the stats that I think is really important to kind of give you a better visual picture. So 98% of Fortune 500 companies use some form of an applicant tracking system. Now, I already said that a little bit, but what I want you to pay attention to with that particular statement is that it's 500, Fortune 500 companies. So these are companies with 5,000 employees or more. Here's another stat for you. 94% of companies say using an ATS improves their hiring processes. 100% I agree with this. I, in addition to being a, you know, a career coach, I've also been a recruiter in the past. And I also worked to help recruiters recruit new hires, um, kind of consulting as a support person, reviewing applicants and kind of saying, here's the best applicant based on your job. Um, and so from my experience, I can tell you that to skim through applicants when you have hundreds of applicants applying to one job, 
that is time consuming. You have to be able to read quickly. You have to know what the job is asking and requiring. And you have to be able to have a good eye and detail for, you know, how do you compare people? Um, so this has really been instrumental as a, te- as a form of technology for sourcing and for hiring. Uh, 62% of companies admit that qualified candidates slip through an ATS. And obviously when you use automation and you start to use technology to go through a process, it's not as efficient as a human. Um, And I can say that from back in my recruiting days, we were not using um, a savvy ATS that had uh, the ability to screen people with keywords and searches. Um, Unfortunately for me, I actually had to view every single applicant and review um, every single applicant's resume to determine what it was and what they had on their resume and if it was a good fit. So what I'm going to share with you kind of moving on is all the tips and tricks and critical things that I value that I think are most important as a job seeker and as a recruiter and as a career coach when you're applying to a job. And these ultimately are successful. These are things that if you Google all the you know, top 10 uh, tricks to apply and skip the ATS or whatever it might be that you're Googling to help you in this process, these are things that actually do work. And they've been proven. And I can say that you know, from my experience of coaching, I've helped thousands of people get jobs. So I've been able to successfully help them look at the job description and making sure that they're using and doing the right things. So the last um, the last tip I'll share, not tip, the last, uh, the last percentage I want to share with you here um, before I kind of move into all the details that I want to give you is 75% of resumes are filtered out by an ATS before it's even seen by a person. 75%. Think about that number. That's a huge number. Um, so the things to bear in mind that an ATS is instrumentally created to make the life of hiring more efficient, the cycle of recruitment more efficient, the life of a recruiter or a talent manager um, more efficient and easier, but also it saves time. You know, when you're a person who applies to a job and you submit your application, there's nothing worse than submitting your application to oblivion and to a black hole and never hearing back from anything again. Applicant tracking systems have the ability to track people in the workflow process of recruitment. And essentially, when recruiters are actually really good at their jobs, they they should be able to move applicants in an appropriate workflow. And I can talk about that stuff all day long, but I want you to understand that, you know, this process and what I'm sharing with you today is to really make your life easier alleviate some of the stress and anxiety you may have from the job search process and help you carry the things that you might be resisting to, okay? So here here are the things that are really important. Fundamentally, people need to understand and acknowledge and accept that for every single job you apply to, you must tailor your resume to the job. This is work, people. 
this is something that if you're going to be an av, if you're going to look for a job and you truly want to dig in deep, think you're dig your teeth deep into it, you're going to want to open that resume, look at the job description, read the job description, and really be self-aware of what the job description is asking you for you to be able to transfer that information and translate it into the job. Because that's essentially where the money is. That's where you're going to want to make sure that when you're writing, when you're updating your resume, that all the details from that job description are in there. So here's what we're focusing on. We're focusing on the format and layout of your resume, the style of your resume, we're focusing on some fonts and graphics and um, the style of those fonts. Um, we're also talking about the sections, the keywords, and then some things to do next. So this is just giving you a sense of what we're diving into here. So you know how I always tell you to bring your pen and paper? Well, you probably should just keep a pen and paper with you wherever you go when you listen to one of my episodes, because essentially you're going to want to write something down. And obviously this is recorded and you know that I love to write show notes. So I'm making this truly easy for you. So in addition to making sure that you're tailoring the resume to the job, you really want to know what kind of resume your industry looks for. And I know I don't want to say that there's only one resume style or layout that people should be using. Because believe me, there's a lot of trends out there that I think people are catching on to and they're missing the really vital piece to what the resume is for. And you're not really selling your information or selling yourself in the best way when you're using these ridiculous formats that are really specific to certain industries. And I'm talking about the format where you have the column and you have these things to the far left that look like crazy stuff because you can't read it because it's so damn small. And then you have these little squares or rectangles on the far right on the other side of the column of the page. And then you have stuff in the middle. That is busy as fuck. Stop doing that shit. It doesn't apply to every industry. I don't know who was the, you know, the Einstein that decided to create this, you know, quote unquote template or format. But that applies to perhaps a graphic designer, perhaps someone in the software development industry, perhaps someone who is showcasing um, really stylistic things. An applicant tracking system is going to read that shit and it's going to skip right on it because there's too much boxes. It's heavy and minimal stuff where you need to focus on text and you, you use your resume as real estate. And you should be able to really pay attention to the full real estate of your resume. When you start to use these templates, because those are templates, and you start to try and create a trend that everybody else is using, you lose yourself in the process. So there's a little bit of self-awareness that needs to come into this process of creating a resume when you want it to be seen and you want to get hired and when you want to get to that step. Remember that that quote, or not the quote, but the um, the percentage, 75% of resumes get lost in the applicant tracking system. So if you truly fundamentally want to stand out, do the research on your industry. You can search for 
what resume style to use for a blank industry. So as you think about what the resume looks like, you've done your homework, you've figured out you know, what this layout is going to be, and you've you know, essentially have determined, I'm going to use this format because this is what my industry is asking for, and you're gonna tailor it, you're gonna tailor it to what the job is, you are now being able to craft that resume. The other thing that I'll mention to this is that I have a product that I'm coming out with, which is called the Resume Builder Bundle, and it should be out very, very soon. And it will actually lay out a resume sample for various different industries. So the most common industries, healthcare, technology, um, business, um, graphic design, uh, engineering. So you can use multiple layouts for various industries. So this product will include um, verb, action verbs, uh, all the SEO verbs, uh, the, the actual template, and then it'll show you how to craft um, core competencies for your resume, as well as how to create a profile summary or a summary of qualifications. Um, so I'm just throwing that in now so that you're aware. And we'll talk about, as I keep going through what I have here for my notes, where those things belong and how you can use them. Now, every person's um, resume is going to have fundamentally the same sections with the limitation to someone who has certifications. And then the other thing I will say is that depending on where you are in your career. So if you're someone who's entry level, you're probably not going to have a summary of qualifications because you're probably just getting out of college or you're brand new to the actual workforce. So it doesn't make sense for someone who is entry level to have that on their resume because your resume is really prime real estate and you wanna maximize the use of that page. So one of the things to really point out when, you come, when it comes to that is what should the font look like and what should the size of the font be? So I always tell people you want to have the top of your page, eight and a half by 11 page, your name, and you want to avoid using any type of box or fancy fonts or any graphics. Like all that stuff doesn't belong in your resume. If you tell me that you're a graphic design artist and you want to get to make it all pretty and foo-foo, um, I understand and respect your craft, but a resume is intended for applying to a job. And you minimize your ability to be seen when you do that to your resume. So avoid graphics, avoid boxes and tables and logos of any sort or images of any sort. They don't belong in your resume. They belong in a portfolio. So at the top of your resume, you have your name. Your name should be bold um, and the font should be no bigger than 18 point font. So you wanna make it big enough for it to be seen and readable, but it should not take up half your page. It should not take up a quarter of your page. And it should not also live, it does like, this is the other thing. People love to put their um, contact information in a header. I don't know why, that's really confusing. That doesn't belong there. It should not be in a header or a, foot, a footer. The only time you, you actually use a header and a footer is if you actually have more than one page on your resume. Um, so do not put your contact information in a header or a footer. Sometimes applicant tracking systems, depending on how they're being used and how smart they are, um, will cut off information on a header or a footer. 
So it will disappear. So really be aware of that. Now, as far as the size of the rest of the font on your resume, the largest it should be um, is 12 and the smallest it should be is 10. So how you can get creative with trying to maximize your space is that if you have multiple sections, and what I mean by sections, meaning you have your education, you have your core competencies, you have your skills, your work experience, et cetera, et cetera, those are called sections. And some people like to showcase them um, in bold. Some people like to showcase them in caps. Some people like to showcase them with an underline underneath the section. Um, and so what you can do, because you're already highlighting this, is make it a smaller font than the rest of the text of your resume because people will see the sections when it's being read. And the applicant tracking system will also expect to see that information. You want to make sure your format and your layout is simple. Simple, people. That's what you're going for here. Now, fonts. So I know it gets boring, but this isn't the place for you to try and exploit your creativity. Again, you're doing this to try and get a job. So applicant tracking systems will also only read certain fonts. And the thing you want to be mindful is, depending on the platform that you're allowed to upload your resume in, I'm going to highly encourage you to do your resume in a Word document, Microsoft Word. If you have a Mac, if you have a PC, put it in Microsoft Word. And then you're going to want to save your resume as a PDF. And you're going to want to review your resume in a PDF to make sure that all the sections and all the fonts look the same. Don't do any fancy fonts because they change and some systems will not read them. So here are the top fonts that you should be using in your resume. Times New Roman, Arial, Helvetica, Tahoma, Calibri, German, and Verdana. Those are the top fonts that applicant tracking systems will actually read without a problem. All the other ones, you're just creating an opportunity for it to not be seen. I'm just telling you right now. Now, when it comes to style and formatting, I already mentioned that you should never have a table, you should never have logos, you should never have images, and you should not have graphics in your resume. Period. Okay? These are not things that belong there. Save that for a portfolio. Save that for some sort of report. That's not where it needs to be. What you could use to make it more personalized, per se, is the bold, the italicized, and the underline. Very basic things we used in Microsoft Word. Um, and bullets. Okay? I mean, I said bullets, but... There's different little symbols you can use for bullets. I would let them limit them to the circle symbol, the round symbol. Um, and I would also limit it to the one that looks like an arrow. Um, because again, you don't know how that platform is going to receive it. So super, super important. So, so far we've talked about making sure that you're recognizing the resume layout and style for your industry. We've just talked about um, the different sections a resume might have and what those sections would be based on your career level. 
We've also talked about the font size and the font types. And we talked about style formatting when it comes to making it more tailored to you. Um, I'll also address again to be more transparent and clear that when you think about using a header and a footer, do not use the header for your contact information. If your resume spills over into a second page, like a CV that can be multiple pages, you want to make sure that that is only your name and the page number in that header or footer. Um, you don't even need a footer, to be honest with you. Don't even try to do it, just do the header. That way, if the person who's the uh, talent manager or the recruiter, they could actually see when they go from one page to another, oh, it belongs to so-and-so. When we read, we read from the top down and from left to right. So that's critical. Um, so here's the other thing that's important too, as you're kind of going through this journey of making your resume, you know, really defined to the applicant tracking systems. So I already mentioned the sections. So when you look at the layout of your resume, um, the sections that should be more pronounced are going to be your education, your work experience, um, your skills, your professional development, uh, and then um, your personal information. Now, depending on where you are in your experience, and here's where it gets tricky. If you just graduated college, let me point out to you, the things that you need to be most concerned with is your education, your coursework. That's another section you would have to have in there. And then whatever experience you got while you were in college, in addition to your skills. So depending on what field you're going to, let's say you're going into a computer science and you want to do software development. I'm just putting that as an example. You want to make sure that your skills is listed before your work experience right after your coursework. So if you're a, if you're a student who recently is graduating and you're listening to this right now, your resume should have your contact info, your education, your relevant courses to the job, your skills, and then your work experience. And then below that is professional development and leadership. That should be the layout of sections for your resume if you are a recent grad or someone who is graduating college, okay? If you're someone who's been working for five years plus in the workforce and you're looking to transition to another job but staying in your field and making the assumption that you've worked probably one or two jobs in the, la in the five years since graduating from college, you might want to start to create a summary of qualifications. So it should be in layout, your name, your, so your name, contact info, it should be the summary of qualifications. So this is going to be a mixture of the things you've done in the last five years, your education, your work experience, your skills, and then professional development and leadership. If you're a mid-career person, and this is someone who's worked for over 10 years, 10 years plus in the workforce, and you've worked at four or five different companies, um, and you've really invested your time, you've actually held leadership positions, this is the layout of your resume. 
contact info, summary of qualifications, core competencies, work experience, skills, education. Very three distinctly different layouts based on where you are in the years of experience of work and where you are in your career. And the reason that is, is because the more experience you get, the less relevant your education becomes. And the more you lean into those goals that you've achieved while you're working, those KPIs and those metrics that you've created, so those measurable actions that you've done that can serve you really, really well, um, at the same time, you've developed these skills that are really comparable and comprehensive. You want to showcase those. Those are juicy keywords and search terms in your resume. So this is speaking specifically to that person who is 10 years plus into their career. Um, if you're at the five-year place, you want to make sure that your summary of qualifications is reading off of the description in the job description. So let me break this down for you. A job description has three parts. It, it should have three parts, not all of them, most of them. The first part is, well, let me rephrase that, four parts. The first part is about the company. The second part is the job description itself. The third part is the responsibilities. And the fourth part is the requirements. And then they usually have like an EEOC statement. Every single job should have an EEOC statement. If you do not see an EEOC statement, which means that they're actually um, being aware of what's required for hiring people based on equal employment opportunity, um, you want to report those people. Make sure you're looking at that information. Diversity, equity, and inclusion in the workforce is critical and important, and I stand for that. Now, getting back to what I was saying with the four sections, not every job has four sections. Not every job description has four sections. So that's why I I stopped for a second and I rephrased what I said. Three sections is most common. And the reason that I say three or four is because you may have an about section that's blended with the job description, or you may have a responsibility section that's blended with the requirements. And so being really aware of what the job description is looking at, the whole job description, is going to be fundamental to you when you're at that point. And this, this is helpful to everybody, regardless of where you are in your career and what you're doing. So I'm just kind of mentioning that so that you understand it from the perspective of where I'm coming from. But for that person who is in their, you know, the first five years of their career, you want to look at that job description paragraph that tells you about the job and look at the key words that are being demonstrated and visualized as action words in each sentence or bullet that's being written there. That's all the juicy good stuff. What you want to do to create that summary of qualification section is look at what you may have already created and try to mimic that. Mirror what's on there. You don't want to copy it. You want to just use the words so that it's readable in your resume. Um, and then when you're a recent student, you're obviously going to use your coursework because you don't have years of experience 
to write a summary of qualifications. It just doesn't make sense. And just to be aware, your coursework is really critical for you and it should be relevant to the job. So, so looking at the job description and thinking about the courses you've taken as a recent grad or someone who is um, getting ready to apply to a job, making sure you're saying to yourself, oh, okay, I remember taking course XYZ. I can see how this bullet or how the description matches that. If you're writing out relevant coursework in your resume, you want to use no more than four courses if you have some work experience. If you have no work experience, fluff up that resume with all the relevant courses you can get. But I want to make you aware if you're a recent graduate or someone who's graduating. Do not diminish your value of work. You worked hard and there's things that are transferable and fundamental to your success and getting a job. Employers want to see the skills that you've developed and the foundations you've developed that are transferable into that role. I find it that a lot of the students that I've worked with in my career, because they think the job isn't relevant, that it doesn't matter. And that's incorrect. It does matter. Any work experience matters. Okay? So be sure to put it on there. But you want to make sure that you're writing it in bullet format and not in the third person and not in the first person. You want to put the bullet and action verb and then the description of what it was that you achieved and what you did. That is fundamentally how you write a bullet. It should be really clear and concise and you want to make sure you're looking at the job description responsibilities to making sure you're mapping out the resume description in those bullets to read that. Now, when you've already been working and you have years of work experience, typically what you might have is what I call a master version resume. And you've heard me talk about this before throughout other podcast episodes when we're talking about job searching and we're talking about all the things that a master version resume is your best friend. I have a folder in my flash drive that has that's called jobs. And inside that folder, I have two other folders, one called resume and one called cover letters. I have resumes expanding probably a decade that that's different for every single job I've applied to. But I have a master version that I create every single year. And the reason I do that is because I don't want to get caught off guard if someone presents me with an opportunity for a professional development or if someone presents me with an opportunity to do work, you know, as a consultant, or if someone wants to recruit me for a job, I don't want to get off guard and not have a resume ready. And that master version is the one that has all the good stuff that I've been doing um, in my career. And I want that one to shine the most. So I would highly encourage you, whether you're in your beginning stages of your career or you're in the you know 15-year mark, 20-year mark of your career, to making sure that you create a master version for yourself that you can always refer to. And at the time of applying to a new position, you're going to create a tailored version of the master from the job description where you're just copying and pasting all the good stuff into that new version for the job. I hope that's clear and I hope that actually makes sense um, because that's super, super important. I always say that, but I really think it is. Like, 
I can't emphasize any more any more that like you need to make sure you're tailoring it. Now, when it comes to the SEO and it comes to the keywords and it comes to making sure that you can get your resume seen by a person as opposed to just being um, screened by the applicant tracking system, you want to make sure that you're reading through and through that job description. That job description needs to become your best friend. What I my process and what I tell my people all the time, my clients and students is that you want to print out that job description, you want to read it, and you want to highlight every damn bullet on that job description that you know you can do the work for. And the reason you want to do that is because you want to write an example next to that bullet of how you can do that. The intention behind that is that when you actually get to write the cover letter, you're going to use that example of that bullet and your experience section, experience paragraph of your cover letter. Now for the purpose of your resume, when you highlight those particular bullets, you want to look at what they're asking you to do. It's typically a task, okay? And you wanna pay attention to the hard skills and the soft skills. The hard skills are actionable and they're things you actually have to do. The soft skills are things like writing, communication, collaboration, um, cultural competencies, um, technology. Those are considered soft skills. And you want to be able to showcase between the cover letter and the resume a good immersion of the two together. This kind of cross-intersectionality of the two. Remember that the cover letter is really specific to your experiences and your qualifications. You're telling them how and the why, whereas your resume is giving them all the juiciness of it. And you want to keep your bullets and limit them so that they're actually really readable, where it's not a paragraph, it's a bullet. Keep it to hopefully one line, maybe two, but be really specific and make it sweet. Um. So making sure that when you're going through this process, that the job description is your best friend. Now, you may think that you're done because you may have created this amazing resume and you may have had it reviewed by your bestie who's a recruiter, um, who has some knowledge of, of reading resumes and reviewing resumes, or you went to um, your best friend who has been applying to every single job and has given you that benefit of really being able to help you. Or you came to someone like me who's a career coach and actually does this for a living all the time, 24-7. The one thing I will tell you through this process, and you can probably hear some hesitation in my voice, is that everyone has an opinion on how a resume should look. And what I always say to that is opinions are like assholes. Everyone has one. I'm not saying that to be vulgar. I'm not saying that to be offensive. I'm saying that to be truthful and realistic. The reality is, is that you need to be most comfortable with what's being critiqued for you. And you have to see the value of your information in the resume and the value of your experience to make sure that it's matching the job. Someone else's Opinion should be solely professional, but not opinion based on what they want it to be. It needs to be professional and like, I think it should be this because the job description says that. Not because I feel, because I think you should. No, nothing like that. 
when I look at someone's resume, I ask them, where's the where's the job description? Show me the job description. What a, what job are you applying to? Did you do research on your industry? I ask a lot of questions because I want to make sure you get seen. I want your resume to become from an applicant to a candidate, okay? I want you to move in that tracking of that workflow. Those are my intentions. And then of course I want you to get hired, but then the interviewing part is a whole different conversation. And we've had that conversation in other episodes. Once you have the confidence to have applied to the job with your cover letter and your resume, here's where the fun stuff comes in. And I say fun stuff is because you want to leverage your network and start doing outreach. You want to connect with people who work at the company that you're looking for, connect with people in the industry, and this means using LinkedIn. And I mentioned before that we're bringing in LinkedIn to the conversation of the podcast. So I'm really looking forward to that as we kind of look into the future. But I want to talk about LinkedIn for a second when it comes to this process. LinkedIn is such a powerful tool. And it's an underutilized resource in the job searching world when people who are looking for a job don't realize the power of connection and the harnessing that power, what it could do to your job search. So when we talk about applying to a job, it's not just simply applying to the job anymore. The job application is one step. But building a relationship and connecting with a network of people who may be working at the place where you want to work is going to get you seen and your name and your face and who you are and the value you bring will fundamentally allow you to show up that much more. It's called being strategic in your job search. Use LinkedIn to give you the opportunity to establish a fundamental connection and relationship with the people who you want to work with. If you want that job, you need to see yourself in the job. You need to see yourself building relationships with the people who you may potentially work with in the future. So what I'm gonna encourage you to do is find the company profile on LinkedIn of the company. So you just search a link by LinkedIn, just search the company name, like and follow that company or follow the company if they don't have a like button. And then start looking at the people who work there. On the company profile page, you can see who are the employees that are on LinkedIn. There's going to be a ton of recruiters if they have a huge corporation, and you can connect with them. But in your connection, you want to tailor and customize that connection that is personalized and authentic. Create a message that says, I would love the opportunity to work at your incorporation and organization. I'm really passionate about the work you do and who you serve, and I can really see myself being part of your team. Let's connect. And a message like that is authentic because it's coming into your true self, and you're sharing with that person that you have a sense of passion for wanting to connect with them. Maybe you read their profile and they have something in common with you that you can share and that personalized connection. You may also want to connect with the hiring manager that is the person who's hiring for this position, not just the HR folks who do the recruiting. Because those HR recruiters get tons of connections. But when you start to establish connections with other people at the organization and even the hiring manager, that adds value to you as an applicant. 
On the other side of building connections is what does your profile say about you? Make sure that you update your LinkedIn headline and you update your profile summary so that it reads similar to what the culture of what that organization is. And if you're applying to multiple jobs, be sure to make sure that you're updating the profile to fit the industry and so that it's mimicking the language that's shared. Make sure you update all your employment history, make sure you update your skills, your achievements, and you start to really show up in the space of the industry you're working in. And what I mean by that is look for articles of people who work in the field that may have shared information. Start to either share those articles or repost a post that someone created. Comment on people's posts from things that are actually relevant and new and fresh from what that industry is. Start to show up for yourself on the network, on the platform, and on other people who are in that field that you want to be in. So that was a lot to uncover. I always, I kind of went over my 30 minutes. We're at 45 minutes here. But I really hope that this particular episode resonates with you and it gives you so much value as you're preparing for the job searching process. And I hope that it really helps you reflect on what you're trying to build in your resume and what you're trying to establish because your resume is really something that you should hold close, near and dear to you. And fundamentally, it helps you build a presence and establish that sense of who this person is and what you're trying to promote about yourself. And with LinkedIn, essentially, it's your resume on steroids. It's your resume that never sleeps. So while you're you know, sleeping, LinkedIn's working for you. So you need to show up in that space. And it doesn't mean that you have to show up there every single day. Showing up maybe you know three times a week is just enough for it to be sprinkled everywhere it needs to be. But creating relationships and establishing those connections in the field of in the place where you want to go to is going to help you. It can't just you can't just rely on the resume and applying to a job by itself. So having said all that, thank you so much for always being part of my community, um, whether it's through LinkedIn, Facebook or listening to the podcast. I appreciate every single one of you. Thank you so much for tuning into this episode. Don't forget that the resume building bundle is coming soon. It's going to show you all that great information I talked about on how to set up your resume based on a resume sample that I'm going to create for you. It's going to show you how to create a summary of qualifications, how to create a core competency section, give you a list of really powerful action word list, and then help you create the resume that you've always wanted that you can use for years to come. Thank you for being part of this community, and I can't wait for you to dig into the next episode. Have a great one. Hey, Chit Chatter, before you go, if you love this episode, head on over to Apple Podcasts and leave me a review. I read every single one of them. It would mean the world to me. And if you love some free coaching, go ahead, like, subscribe, and in the review, leave us a comment. Go ahead and screenshot it and then post it on over on Instagram stories and tag me at Jose Miguel Longo. Thank you so much for listening. All my love. And I can't wait for you to listen to the next episode.